When I was a boy, I was fascinated by radio-controlled planes. Really radio-controlled anything, boats as well. But planes had a particular fascination for me. And when I was in the UK, we rented a car at one stage, and I went to the largest radio-controlled plane show in the Northwest, which was about five hours of sitting out in a field with people constantly flying these radio-controlled planes, just constant streams of takeoffs and landings, and they did a a D-Day memorial thing or something. I can't remember. They did some battle. No, it's the Battle of Britain. That's right. They did formation flying for the Battle of Britain and various other things. It was just a really wonderful day out. And funnily enough, at this event, they also had cloth crafts. So my wife just disappeared and, you know, went to the cloth crafts. I still drank at the time, which meant that it probably happened about 2002, because I remember with the car that we rented, we went shopping the night before. And one of the things we could buy is a, a... 24 pack of beer which just normally would never enter our house because we didn't have a car we just carried stuff and i remember drinking i don't know how many cans of beer i had probably i don't know six cans of beer in one evening and it was more than you know i had probably comprehended it could have been eight who knows anyway it was some number of beer but the next day i was slightly hung over when we went out to i think it was in blackburn if i remember correctly and watching these planes just made me think about this childhood me that used to love watching radio control planes. I had a radio control plane propeller. And actually, when I was 18, I bought an engine, a diesel engine, and never got it working. It was passed on to my brother, and he eventually got it working. So soon after going to this event, I stopped drinking, as one obviously needed to in this circumstance. But I found some open source plans online for a Spitfire. And I actually built the Spitfire. It was one of the First things I did in a blog that I was writing at the time, built the Spitfire laboriously. And unfortunately, various things happened to the Spitfire. It never really survived the UK. I moved it to Vegas and had it hanging up for a period of time, but never really was right again after whatever happened to it in the UK. But we'll move on from that. So my life has gone on without radio-controlled planes. I bought for a period of time a radio-controlled simulator where you had the little, you know, stick things you had basically the radio controller with a usb port and that i had for quite some time and i'd fly planes with that and in in virtual space and you know that was interesting i'd certainly got my skills up and was able to you know spend hours flying these things virtually and getting my skills together but then that you know went to one side what have you i have a few memories as a boy i would go into these radio control plane stores i mean they were hobby stores but they had planes in them and they'd be hanging from the ceiling very splendidly. And I always thought to myself, when I'm older, it would be wonderful to have radio-controlled planes in my life. But it never really happened. And when I went to the Grand Canyon, one of the stores that we went into, just a grocery store, had radio-controlled planes hanging from the ceiling. I thought, this is a really interesting thing. So come Friday, lunchtime, calories overfilled from having a what I thought was a simple breakfast is it called eggs benedict is that what they're called maybe they're called eggs benedict maybe i've remembered it now anyway calorie filled carrying a heavy book and a series of small magazines i arrived at i think it's called rc country hobbies in sacramento and this is a huge hobby store it's got static models to start off with then you go around and there's radio controlled cars Then I got to the radio-controlled tanks, and I looked up, and I thought, wow, you know, that's interesting. I'll I'll come back if I don't see anything. And then I kept on wandering around, and I 
saw the train section, went, looked bit into the train section, but then the radio controlled planes caught me. And I, I have this interest in this company and I can't think of its name now, but they make balsa wood kits. And as a boy, I built a javelin, I think it was called, which was a rubber band powered balsa wood kit. But they also make spitfires and other things. And I thought, you know, if I ever see one in the wild, I'll buy a, a balsa wood kit. What are they called? I can't think of the company's name. Anyway, I saw one of those kits. I picked it up in my hands. I was like, ah, this is it. This is what I'm going to buy. I think it was about $34. And, you know, this will give me hours of assembling this Spitfire. And I was looking up, and, of course, there were so many planes hanging from the ceiling, so many different kinds of planes, some big, far too big, things that I could never take. You know, we've got a SUV. I'd have to drive this back to San Jose. Can't buy a big plane. Then my eyes focused on a smaller plane, which was what I would call an ME-109. Now, I understand people here call them BF-109s or ME-BF-109s. I don't know. I've always called them ME-109s. They're the Mischschnitt 109. They're the German counterpart to the Spitfire. And this was on a, you know, whatever extended thing hanging in the air with a little price tag underneath it saying $119. And I looked at it, and it had a petrol engine. It noted that it had the servos installed, which I've since confirmed. And I looked at this thing. Its wingspan, as I look up above me, its wingspan's got to be about 34 inches, I would say. It's not huge. Perfect. Fit in the back of an SUV quite comfortably. So I thought, well, gosh, this thing has come into my life. I've got to treat it with a certain degree of respect. And I went and found an elderly gentleman, lots of elderly gentlemen in the store, thankfully, and said, I would like to buy the ME-109. And he said, what? I said, I'd like to buy the ME-109. In fact, I think I said originally that I'd just like to look at it. Looking at the ME-109 is the important thing. So he said, oh, I've got to get my stepladder. He went to find his stepladder. He came around and we were walking through. You've got to imagine here, probably there were 10, maybe 15 of these radio control planes just hanging from the ceiling. So we're walking past them, and he walked directly past the ME-109. I said, no, 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 the ME-109, and pointed upwards to this plane. He got up his stepladder, and he came down, and he passed this thing to me. It was very light in my hands. I thought to myself, this is made of balsa wood. It's made of balsa wood. Took it down, and I thought, yes, I'm going to buy this plane. So I went up to the front, looked at it some more. Everything seemed to be in order. Slight scuff marks on the bottom. Nothing to write home about. Looked pretty airworthy. Some of the military insignias were peeling just a little bit, but nothing too big. Purchased it. Found a lift. Lift came and picked me up. Had a great conversation with the lift driver and ended up back at the Airbnb where we were staying. Took the ME-109 upstairs, put it out on the bed. In fact, I think I propped it up on the book and magazines that I'd purchased at the game store prior. Took a photo of this thing and put it on Facebook and immediately other men knew what I had done. Even my friend Bob Bottram, who I would have thought would never have been interested in a radio control plane, was fascinated and asked a series of questions. And I thought to myself, clearly this thing transcends everything. It was the last thing we took from the Airbnb as we came home. I made sure that I had my bedding laid out and folded in the corners of the quilt around the ME-109. So we brought it home, brought it upstairs. I thought, oh, goodness, I've got nowhere in my room to put it before I get the hooks and the, you know, fishing wire and actually hang this thing up. But very carefully put it down. Yesterday evening, Tuesday evening, the hooks and the fishing wire arrived, came in here with a drill, 
put the hooks in the ceiling, and then spent hours turning, moving, it's so hot here, sweating, sweating, changing T-shirts, three T-shirts I went through, hanging this plane. I finally have it hanging up in a way that I like. I can lift my head and look up at it. Engine there. I had actually taken the wing off just to confirm that the servos were in there. The servos are in there, the fuel tank's in there. All it needs is a radio, a battery set, and obviously a, a receiver as well. So, well, I guess you'd call it a transmitter. So, transmitter and a receiver and battery set in. It'll fly. I'm sure of it. I've got to work through the engine, obviously, get that running. But it looks like it'll run. Everything looks perfect from it. It's just been taken from... And the gentleman who owned the plane previously was known to the store. It was a consignment item. There was one curiosity about it. The tail rudder is fixed, meaning in parlance of radio-controlled vehicles, it is a three-channel rather than a four-channel radio-controlled plane, which I actually quite like. I can fly a three-channel. I know how to avoid the rudder. I've done various manoeuvres. Ironically, when I was in a Lufthansa flight, I had the experience where the tail jammed on the Lufthansa flight, and they had to bring the plane into land without the tail rudder. This plane represents that in some very real sense. But it also represents a whimsy. This thing, when I fly it, if I fly it, has so many possibilities of crashing, breaking into so many different splinters. But its potential, its existence above my head, is probably far greater than the joy I would ever get for flying it. But the potential is there to fly it, and that is what is really important.